everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monsters and Murder. I'm Shane. And I'm Sam. And this week we're back with a new episode, as promised. Yes. Everything is done and over, and we have a break, and Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Me too. Finals are done. My work picks up a little bit this time of year, but that's okay too. My work actually slows down a little bit this time of year, so I'm very excited. <laughs> July 1 will be my slowdown date because it's when everything is done, whether it's done or not. Yeah, I think July will be, I mean, I will still have a class in July because my summer classes start at the beginning of June, mm-hmm. but only one of them is five weeks, and then my work will still be slow until school, like, this actual school year in August starts back, so. Yay! I have no classes until the fall, but I do have a fun trip coming up to New Orleans that I'm super excited about. That will be a lot of fun. Yes, and I might look up a story soon in preparation for that trip. That will be a lot of fun. Yes. And you have to take pictures. Of course. If you are able to go on a ghost tour, you need to do that. I want to, and that's actually, that's something we have talked about doing, because they were like, I was asked if I would like to go on a ghost tour if that's something I would be up to and I was like absolutely that would be a lot of fun just don't bring anything back no no especially not from that city no no you need to do like a I don't know a cleansing ritual yeah or <laughs> some kind of dance or something before you come back I don't want any I don't want any bad things coming no. into this house no no not at all <laughs> that is my goal is to never bring anything bad in the house no and that week while you're gone I will be here mm-hmm. but that's fine I may I mean I don't have any trips coming up just because it's been a little bit difficult to plan with everything else going on. But yes. I'm thinking in July, mm-hmm. I'll be going at least for a long weekend to the beach. Yes, as you should. I'm not usually a beach person. I would much rather be in the mountains. But it would be nice to like go away for just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, And if you hear anything in the background, we are trying to keep the cat separated. Winnie got spayed and has <laughs> stitches. So if you hear a little jingling, she is sitting over here, but she is not running around because she can't. <laughs> yeah. She'll be a lot more calmer than usual. And she just got her medicine, which should hopefully knock her out pretty soon. So. <laughs> which that has been a fun experience. Well, yes. I don't know if it's been fun. You've been very helpful. <laughs> I wrap her up like a burrito and you help me give her the medicine because it's not something I can do. When they were kittens, I could do it by myself Uh because they were much smaller. And they didn't fight me as much. Mm -hmm. The burrito method worked when they were tiny. (laughs) But now that they are bigger, the burrito method does not work. No, you have to hold her in the burrito and I give the medicine. And I've only misfired once. (laughs) Yes, which is funny because I'm the one going to school for this. Mm -hmm. And you're the one actually administering the medicine. (laughs) But you know what? Even in in the offices, it takes several people to do it sometimes. Oh, no, it, every time. Mm-hmm. When you're giving medicine, you probably need uh, at least two hands on deck before you <laughs> administer meds, unless you're giving a shot. And then sometimes yes. you can do that by yourself. But all right, we will dive into our story, which I am super excited about today. I'm excited too. I'm excited to be recording. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's whenever we skip a week, it feels weird. <laughs> yes, yeah, it really does. But all right, so we'll jump into it. This week, I we are talking about the Flannan Isle Lighthouses. Okay, I, I know some of this. Yes, I'm serious. it's one of my favorite mysteries. It really, truly is. Um, and it's in Scotland, so Scotland has some good mysteries. They really do. But all right, you know a little bit. Maybe you'll hear something new. Maybe you, know, you don't. And if that's if you don't, that's okay, too. No, if I don't hear anything new, we're... we're <laughs> 
ditching this and we're doing something else until you find something new to tell me. <laughs> All right. So the Flennan Isle Lighthouse is a lighthouse that's near the highest point on Eileen Moor, 20 miles west of the Outer Hebrides, which, yes, people, I looked up pronunciations this week. And I actually wrote down phonetic pronunciations in my notes. So, so if he sounds like this, <laughs> cut him some slack. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> but these are a group of islands, or to be more precise, a group of seven islets on the west coast of Scotland. The islands themselves were named after St. Flannan and mostly uninhibited. Or uninhabited. Or inhibited? I'm not sure I used the right I word. don't think it's uninhabited. I don't think that's an No, I don't word. think that is either. So maybe uninhibited. I don't we know. We can just start saying uninhabited and make <laughs> it a word. Yes. I invent new words when I write sometimes. Not very good ones, but they're You probably there. spelled it correctly. You just didn't pronounce it correctly. Yes. So Eileen Moore is 20-some miles from these islands. So it's pretty isolated from the mainland and only surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean. It is said that the settlers of the Outer Hebrides viewed these isles in a superstitious manner, believing them to be very unlucky to spend the night on. And now, Flanham Isle in particular was, uh, and like I used it again, I said inhabited. <laughs> Uninhabited. Well, actually, St. Flannan lived on the island. Let's say that. So there was one inhabitant on the island. At least one that we know of. And maybe like some bunnies or something. <laughs> so that was around 650 A.D., and Pilgrim subsequently came to see his home, but only after removing their hats and turning 360 degrees clockwise immediately after coming ashore. What that did and really what some of the superstitions were, I was unable to find more specifics on that. But that's what those Pilgrims did. I thought you were going to say they were spinning around 360 times. Like, no, no, just degrees. They must be dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> During the late 1800s, more specifically the late 1890s, the Northern Lighthouse Board decided to build a lighthouse on the largest of the seven islands, or islets. So in 1895, construction began, and it would take four years for the construction to be complete. The construction was constantly hindered by the weather, making landing supplies for the lighthouse very difficult, if not impossible at times. So in 1899, the lighthouse was completed, and on December 7th, 1899, the lighthouse was first lit. Now, this lighthouse was completely cut off from the mainland, as I mentioned before. They had no wired, wired or wireless communication, so the only way they could communicate with the mainland would be done with symphomore-style signals. Okay, you said this was 1899? Yes. Okay, I'm going to sound really stupid. Okay. But you said wireless. Correct. They did not have wireless or wired communication. But how much communication was actually happening that time? Like, I mean, I when did, sorry, I'm smart sometimes. <laughs> when did Edison invent the telephone? <laughs> oh, God. And see, I can't tell you the year on that. I don't think, I think it was around, was it? It was before, the before then. Yeah. The, when? Or before the 1900s? Yeah, no, we, it was definitely in the mm -hmm. 1800s. We're going to sound really stupid. <laughs> Well, I know other stuff, okay, listeners? <laughs> yes, and my point was that they just had no type of, like, they couldn't even radio anywhere is what I really meant. Because I guess that's type like, of a wireless communication to a degree. The paper cups with the string? Nope. Stretching for 20 miles? Nope. No <laughs> one did that. Um, the only thing they could do, which, like I said, and this I didn't look at the pronunciation on, but I think it's semaphore-style signals, which is 
when you have the flags. I know we saw it a lot in the 90s where people, like, raising their arms with two flags in the L shape. And then they would move them around. I like races. I mean, I never went to a race, but my nanny liked to watch them. Mm, not exactly, because that's just more like waving a different color flag. Um, I'm trying to think, cause I thought you to- totally would know what they were. <laughs> I mean, I know what it looks like. Yeah. I just didn't know what that was called. And I've only ever seen stuff like that done. Mm-hmm. At a race. Yes, no, I've never known what it was called either until now. Like, every once in a while, like, on an old TV show, you know, some some live-action show, when someone was trying to get someone else's attention, they'd be like, hey, hey, and, you know, they'd try SOS and flicking lights, and they'd have the flags, moving them around to try to get notice. But that's what they had to do on this lighthouse. And that was done usually on a tall tower like a lighthouse, which is why that was their only method of communication. Um, and I put a note in here that I actually remember watching this on the old Looney Tune cartoons and never knew what they were called. I don't know if I remember that. I will sometimes still do it jokingly, but that's, you know, kind of just to get, like, my brother's attention. If he's not paying attention, like, I'll wave my arms and pretend I'm holding flags, but... <laughs> I usually just yell, like, hey! Uh, my brother still ignores me, so oh, well, I try to be funny. Of course, <laughs> Tina does. Yes. <laughs> Now, on the Flannan Isle Lighthouse, this could be seen from the Hebrides on a clear day. So if it wasn't clear, I guess they were just out of luck. I guess so. Hope you don't need anything. Exactly. Hope you got all the toilet paper that you need. (laughs) Now, also on the island, they had constructed a landing course, stairs, and a railway that was used to transport provisions for the keepers and fuel for the lighthouse. Or for the light, more specifically, in the lighthouse. The siding was passed to the Northern Lighthouse Board, a fact that the official Northern Lighthouse Board denies on their website, and they claim this was not communicated to them until the keeper's disappearance had been discovered by the relief vessel, the relief vessel, the Hesperus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Hesperus because it wouldn't be Hesperes. That's not how it's spelled. The relief vessel was supposed to sail to the island on December 20th, but they couldn't because of adverse or harsh weather conditions and the vessel would not reach the Flannan Isles until Boxing Day, which is December 26th. I know I know Boxing Day is a real holiday, and I've heard of it before, and I know it's even celebrated on my Animal Crossing game, but for those who do not know, Boxing Day is a holiday that is the day after Christmas and originated as a holiday to give gifts to the poor people or to collect Christmas boxes of money or presents on the first weekday after Christmas as a thanks for good service throughout the year. Today, Boxing Day forms part of Christmas celebrations with many people choosing to take advantage of Boxing Day sales. Yes, it's like a Black Friday after Christmas. Here in the U.S., it's the day to return Christmas presents that you don't want, like, or need, or maybe we're broken. And it's the day that I stay at home. (laughs) It's the day that I stay at home and I eat a bunch of Christmas candy. Yes. But back to our story. On December 26th, the Hesperus arrives with supplies and and a relief keeper, James Moore. Captain Harvey was the master of the Hesperus. He reported that on arrival at the Flannans, he sounded his horn three times and sent up flares, hoping to alert the three lighthouse keepers, but there were no responses. They found that the flagstaff had no flag, none of the usual provision boxes had been left on the landing stage for restocking, and more ominously, none of the lighthouse keepers were there to welcome them ashore. Was that something that they typically did, like come out to meet them? Yeah, because they would see the boat coming, and especially if it was the relief vessel, they'd be quite happy to be like, hey, let's let's change shift. Please get me off this damn island, please. Exactly. I think now's a good time to talk about the three men that had been the lighthouse keepers that were stationed on the island. 
The first was James Ducat, principal lighthouse keeper. Next was Thomas Marshall, the second assistant. And finally, the third gentleman who actually has a name because I've listened to many podcasts, read many stories, and watched many documentaries, I guess, on this on YouTube. And have heard the story many times where the third man is only referred to by his job title, which is the occasional. And those medias claim that no one really knows who he was, but we actually do. And he has a name, and it was Donald MacArthur. Oh, Don. MacArthur's title was that of occasional keeper, which is why sometimes he's referred to as the occasional. But it wasn't some mysterious person with a random name. Now, MacArthur was filling in for William Rost, who was the first assistant who was on sick leave. Which, can you imagine covering for someone at any job only to be the day that, like, this is the day you go missing? Or when it's just not, like, one sh- day, like, shift. It's, mm-hmm. like, several days. Yeah. Uh, no. no that, that is not the job for me. No, no. It sucks either way. But particularly when you're not going to come back. Will I cover your 12-hour shift? Absolutely. Will I cover your five-day shift? No. no. Call somebody else. <laughs> On December 7th, 1900, Superintendent Robert Moorhead was relieved by the three lighthouse keepers and they saw him waving to him as he made his way out to a larger steam vessel that would take him back to the mainland. This would be the last time these three men were ever seen again. So we go back to December 26, where the island is eerily quiet and seemingly devoid of the three men. Poor James Moore, and I say poor him because he was dispatched alone to go on the island and see what he could find and see if he could find the men. You need more, you need a bigger search party than one person. Exactly. What if whatever happened to them is still out there? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, he was he was really brave, and and I'll continue because so he walks up the stairs alone, all one hundred and sixty of the steep stairs to the lighthouse. Oh my gosh! And according to one source I used, three giant birds were perched on the cliffs above him, casting their beady eyes on his progress. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine the steps he'd get on his Fitbit? <laughs> that is true but can you also imagine like if you missed a step what would happen oh yeah you're not coming back from the 160 <laughs> no <stair fall. laughs> no reaching the lighthouse compound and entering the living quarters he discovered that the gate to the compound and the main door closed inside the lighthouse james noticed that the clock on the kitchen wall has stopped and i could never find out what time it stopped at but you know that clock stopped at 3 30 yeah. <laughs> in the morning yes that's always so creepy when the clock stops mm-hmm. at a specific time. I know. And I know there's some people out there that's like, the batteries just went dead. But still. <laughs> it means something. We're going to think that it means yes. something. So he found that the kitchen clock has stopped. The table was set for a meal that had never been eaten and a chair had been toppled over. What did they have to eat? It didn't say. that's the kind of person I am oh a a tragedy happened what were they eating exactly yeah the real tragedy is they did not make it to dessert no (laughs) (laughs) just kidding listeners a canary in a cage was the only sign of life oh yeah poor bird the last written entries in the keeper's logs were dated for December 13th but the particulars for December 14th including the time of extinguishing the light on December 15th along with the barometer and thermometer readings and state of the wind taken at 9 a.m on december 15th were noted on the slate for transferring to the log later 
So I have a quick question about yes. that. Did they have to record everything every single day? Or was it just like every other day? Was there a specific time when they had to write down the activities? To my knowledge about lighthouse keeping, which is very slim, I think they had to do it every day. Everything was in order. The lamp was ready to be lit. And it was evident that the work of the forenoon on the 15th had been completed. This indicated that the men had disappeared on the afternoon of Saturday, December 15th. So James Moore goes back down all like 160 steps and reports the finding to Captain Harvey. He then returns, this time with three men, to continue the search. That search revealed that the lamps had been cleaned and refilled. A set of oil skins, which is essentially just the rain gear, were found, suggesting that one of the keepers had left the lighthouse without them. They discovered that the West Landing provided considerable evidence of damage caused by recent storms. A box at 108 feet above sea level had been broken and its contents were strewn about. The iron railings were bent over, the iron railways by the path were wrenched out in the concrete, and a rock weighing more than a ton had been displaced. On top of the cliff, which was more than 200 feet above sea level, turf had been ripped away as far as 30 feet from the cliff's edge. Would that be typical if there was a storm? I think so. And, it, and I guess it had to be pretty bad, especially to damage the railings. Yeah. And we'll, we're going to talk about some storms a little later in the story. So these four men, James, uh, James Moore, Mr. MacDonald, the buoy master, who was on board the vessel at the time, and seamen Lamont and Campbell, all three having volunteered to remain on the island with Moore to keep the lighthouse operational, even since there were no housekeepers there so they all essentially kind of volunteer but i read some other notes that maybe james didn't and was told he had to stay there yeah can you imagine being like you have to stay at this place mm -hmm. where three men disappeared and we don't know what happened to them but you have to stay here because work's got to be done yeah it's definitely eerie so the hesperus returns to the main shore and captain harvey sends a telegram to the northern lighthouse board and this is the telegram still on the northern lighthouse board's website today and I'm going to read the telegram that he sent. A dreadful accident has happened at the Flannans. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but no response was made. Managed to land more who went up to the station, but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. I have left Moore, McDonald, Buoy Master, and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you make other arrangements. We'll not return to Oben until I hear from you. I have repeated this wire to Moorhead in case you were not home. I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until it closes if you wish to wire me. Master Hesperus, December 26, 1900. That would, that would suck. I mean, mm -hmm. being in that time frame when you couldn't just get your message across. Yeah. Like if there was a tragedy that happened. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll see it tonight. Maybe you'll see it tomorrow. We don't know. Exactly. And you kind of try to stay there as long as you can to hear correspondence back about it and what they're going to do and what you need to do to go back to get at least three of your men. I just, any what, like any crimes that were solved in this mm -hmm. time frame, like, 
the policemen deserve all kinds of awards <laughs> if they solved a crime when they had no technology mm-hmm. and had to wait like a week to get any information. Yeah. Yeah, for real. So after receiving this telegram, Robert Moorhead, who was the superintendent of the Northern Lighthouse Board, he arrived on the Flannan Isles on December 29th to conduct the official investigation. Moorhead, having been the last man to see them, also had another personal connection to the three lighthouse keepers in the fact that he had personally hired all three. He examined the clothing left behind in the lighthouse and concluded that Ducat and Marshall had gone down to the western landing stage and that MacArthur, who was the occasional, had left the lighthouse during heavy rain in his shirt sleeves. So I guess his short sleeve shirt. Or whatever he was wearing, but no rain gear. He noted that whoever left the light last and unattended was in breach of Northern Lighthouse Board rules. But since the three men are missing, I don't believe that this is the time to care or even make note of the rules. No, and maybe he left it like that because there was an emergency and mm-hmm. he couldn't do it. Exactly. There's an emergency. You would hope that he was able to help them, and clearly if there was, sadly, I don't think that happened. But at the same time, you, you know, it's like, well, whoever was left last broke the rules. That's why they probably broke the rules for a reason, sir. Exactly. On January 8th, 1901, Moorhead filed his official report. And 87 years later, I was born. But (laughs) (laughs) just throwing that out there (laughs) because it is my birthday, but. That's so funny. (laughs) So Moorhead files his official report. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I did take a few. um, You can give us the key points. Yeah, exactly. I took a little bit from it so we get the general gist of his report. So here are some excerpts from it. After a careful examination of the place, the railings, ropes, etc., and weighing all the evidence which I could secure, I am in the opinion that most likely explanation of disappearance of men of the men is that they had all gone down on the afternoon of Saturday, 15th of December, to the proximity of the West Landing to secure the box with the mooring ropes, etc., and that an unexpectedly large roller had come up on the island and a large body of water going up higher than where they were and coming down upon them had swept them away with resistantless force. That was all one sentence, listeners. Yeah. And, and very oddly worded. Well, and if it was a big wave like that, you would see that coming. It's not just like a two-second thing that happens. Like, you see it coming. Well, it's you see true. It, building. it is true, but I also guess that, like, if they're working to secure items and then all of a sudden they turn around and there it is... They have, like, no time to get away. I think that's what he's trying to communicate, or at least that's what he thinks happens. Um, But he continues, I have considered and discussed the possibility of the men being blown away by the wind. I am of the opinion, notwithstanding its great force, that the more probable explanation is that they have been washed away as had the wind caught them, it would, from its direction have blown them up the island, and I feel certain that they would have managed to throw themselves down before they had reached the summit or brow of the island. I feel like if anything took them out, the wind would have been a more powerful force if they mm-hmm. were on the cliff. Like, Yes, yes, and if it was some sort of storm, you have the rain to deal with, and just too many circumstances. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say, I returned and wired the result of my investigation to the secretary and called on the widows of James Ducat, the principal keeper, and Donald MacArthur, the occasional keeper. In conclusion, I would desire to record my deep regret 
and such a disaster occurring to the keepers in this service. I knew Ducat and Marshall intimately and MacArthur the occasional well. They were selected on my recommendation for lighting of such an important station as Flannan Islands, and as it is always my endeavor to secure the best men possible of the establishment of a station, as the success and contentment of the station depends largely on the keepers present at its installation, this of itself is an indication that the board has lost two of the most efficient keepers in a competent occasional. I mean, so many damn words. Yes. And finally, I have one more excerpt. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of words. It's like, okay, we get it. You know some bigger words, whatever. He concludes with saying, I was with the keepers for more than a month during the summer of 1899 when everyone worked hard to secure the early lighting of the station before winter and working along with them, I appreciated the manner in which they performed their work. I visited Flannan Islands with the relief was made so lately as the 7th December and have the melancholy recollection that I was the last person to shake hands with them and bid them adieu. Robert Moorhead, Superintendent, January 8th, 1901. Robert Moorhead needs to learn a period <laughs> and what they are used for when writing. So to elaborate on this report, it's commonly believed that Marshall and Ducat went to secure damaged equipment on the West Landing and MacArthur, who stayed behind, sees a large wave, runs out, no rain gear to warn them, but it's too late and all three of them are swept away. Well, I guess that's plausible. Mm-hmm. This explains the toppled over chair and why all three of the men were outside at the same time. It does not, however, explain the closed gate and door, nor the fact that no bodies were ever found. Well, I mean, kind of no bodies, because if you're swept out to the ocean, there's a lot of reasons why your body would not be found. It is true, but I guess they also, like, there's a lot of expectation that they would wash up somewhere, potentially. Yeah, but you're in the ocean. Like, how many people get lost at sea and are never found? That's Probably too many. Yeah. So after this report was filed, the general public was not pleased, and like any other great mystery, soon people would begin developing their own theories, which now we're going to take a look at some of those theories. The first theory is described as really implausible, but here's what it is. On the day that they most likely vanished, which is December 15th, something caused Ducat and Marshall to go outside. In this theory, maybe they saw or heard something. But whatever caused them to go out, they do, and a giant sea serpent, so not just any monster, a sea serpent, sweeps them away. Conjecture says maybe there was a fight, the commotion was enough to alert MacArthur, who was up in the lighthouse, and he sees the serpent and runs out to help, causing his chair to topple over, which would explain why he ran out without his rain gear, and tragically, the serpent sweeps all three men away. <laughs> I, I don't know if I buy that. No. Had the sea serpent shown itself prior to this incident? No. Okay. And nor was it ever seen again, if it ever existed. But there's another version that theorizes that instead of a sea serpent, maybe it was a giant bird that swept them away. How damn big is that bird? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we don't have pterodactyls flying around. No. And even then, I don't think pterodactyl could get three men. <laughs> I, I mean... They maybe I don't know. I've never seen a pterodactyl in person. I haven't been to Jurassic Park in a very long time. <laughs> so I think that one's even more highly implausible than the sea serpent one. There's no proof, and honestly, like I would believe a sea serpent over a giant bird. <laughs> me too. There's 
lots of scary things in the ocean. Exactly. Like, there's so many things in the deep ocean that we don't know exist. Yes. And there's parts of the ocean that we've never been to. Yes, which is why I don't get in the ocean when I go to the beach. <laughs> I mean, it's most likely improbable that a sea serpent, you know, decided to come up that day and be like, hey, guys. <laughs> Party at my place. Let's exactly. Go. Um. So, neither of those are theories that I really give credence to. I don't either. The next two theories have little to no information on them, but they are theories that are out there, so I'll be brief in going over them. The first is that the three men made arrangements for another ship to take them away, thus abandoning the lighthouse. My personal opinion on this is, one, like, it just doesn't make sense. Why would they all go away, and why would they all do it together? Even if they had planned on parting ways at their destination, it still kind of just doesn't make sense because it's not like they were all BFFs before this happened. Well, that means they were all abandoning their families. Mm-hmm, like Exactly. Th- and they were never seen again. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, at that time, it was very easy to disappear without ever being seen again just because you didn't have, like, Instagram and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but that's very weird for all three of them when they weren't super close before, mm-hmm. decide to abandon their families at the same time. Yes. I don't think this would happen. And even if something like that did happen, we've never had any proof of someone coming forward and be like, oh, hey, we stopped at this island because they made arrangements, or, you know, I was on the ship that took them away. Like, there's just no evidence. I don't think it's possible. I don't either. And I just don't believe it. All right, the next theory is honestly probably even more improbable. And this theory states that the three men were kidnapped and most likely murdered by foreign spies. No reason why this would happen. No real speculation as to why the foreign spies would even want them. It's, you know, it's not like the spies were meeting on charter boats and they chose to meet in front of the lighthouse and then were like, oh crap, they saw us. You know, like, it just doesn't happen. I mean, well, I mean, if you were a spy, you're going to go somewhere where nobody's going to see you. Yes. So maybe. But... To just take them as hostages without any reason mm-hmm. is very improbable. Because, yes, their lives mattered. But to the spies and the country, probably not. No. They weren't going to get a large ransom for them. It's not like they were like a, a governmental mm-hmm. like son or something like that. Exactly. So it just doesn't make sense. And even if two boats had met out there, it's not like the lighthouse keepers could see or hear what they were doing. That is very true, too. <laughs> So that one's another one that I just don't believe. So now we have a theory that is right up my alley, and it is a supernatural one. This theory states that the three men disappeared because of the Phantom of the Seven Hunters. So for centuries, the group of widespread islands had been called the Seven Hunters, and it was commonly believed that they were haunted by a phantom, thus the Phantom of the Seven Hunters. And he was a supernatural being that carried people off where it took him. No one knows. But wherever they were carried off to, it was someplace grim. Well, how do we know if nobody's ever been there? (laughs) Because I guess if if the Phantom took you, you would never be seen again. Or maybe he's just taking you to a really cool place and you're like, I don't even want to go back there. (laughs) Let me stay here with you. Honestly, in my research, it took me a minute to find information on this theory. Because every time I would type in the Phantom of the Seven Hunters, I would see some artwork. Or I would just get links back to the original story. Which doesn't always really mention it. So as much as I would like to believe as a, a ghost might be haunting the island, I totally believe there could be a ghost haunting the island. It, did it randomly take three lighthouse keepers? I doubt it, since there's never been another incident like that. 
Like, if more people were on those islands were disappearing, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that theory, you know, I had to keep it in the back of my mind, but overall, I'm not sure that's what happened. So finally, the exciting part we're getting to is perhaps the most well-known theory, and that's the logbook theory. So over time, and I believe this happened in the 19th century, so, or 19th century, good grief. Let's try 1920s. <laughs> Sometime in the 1920s, logbook entries were discovered showing logs from December 12th, 1 p.m. through December 15th. These logbooks show Marshall writing on December 12th, just days before the lights went out, that there were severe winds of the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. And I have those logs, and I'm going to share those now. Here they are. December 12th. Gale north by northwest. Sea lashed to fury. Stormbound, 9 p.m. Never seen such a storm. Everything shipshape. Ducat irritable. 12 p.m. Storm still raging. Windy, excuse me. Wind steady. Storm bound. Cannot go out. Ship pass sounding foghorn. Could see lights of cabin. Ducat quiet. Ar MacArthur crying. It is important. He's using it as his damn diary. <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> Dear diary. <laughs> Dear Diary, and then Lizzie McGuire, Let the Rain Fall Down, plays in the background. Yes. <laughs> Dude, Cat is grumpy and MacArthur is crying and I'm miserable. <laughs> so there's actually an important note to make with this entry. Uh, so MacArthur, who is written as crying, was a big burly man not known to have much of a sensitive side. He was a veteran mariner with a reputation for brawling, and thus it would be kind of strange for him to be crying just because there's a storm. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I hate the rain. Yes. December 13th. Storm continued through night. Wind shifted west by north. Ducat quiet. MacArthur praying. 12 noon. Gray daylight. Me, Ducat, and MacArthur prayed. Again, MacArthur's acting out of character, and we know this from interviews conducted with those who actually did know him. I don't think he was a very typically religious man no i mean it well and in all jokes aside it could have been that the storm was mm -hmm. so bad that they realized that they're probably not going to make it off of the island and that would be true. a reason that would change your behavior if you knew like you weren't mm -hmm. going to get off the island yes and finally december 15th 1 p.m storm ended sea calm god is all over or god is over all i reversed that <laughs> accidentally and that's the last log entry. Now, a lot of people took this to mean that the three men experienced something supernatural and thus vanished due to something out of this world. Others thought it gave proof to the theory that they were swept out to sea. However, if someone is still keeping a logbook, why is there no mention that something happened before then? Well, I mean, he's kind of keeping his notes short and sweet. Like, this is how the other guy should have been speaking. Get your point across. <laughs> that's it. But it could have just been like the storm, they thought the storm did end, and then they mm -hmm. go out to do something, you know, move the boxes, and it's not over. Yes. It is commonly said that these log entries, particularly the ones where they're praying and when the storm is calm, meaning that they're in the eye of like a hurricane. 
it's oh, and the storm actually isn't it's over. Calm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very true. In regards to these logs, in 2017, Mike Dash, an investigative reporter, found that no entries dated after December 13th had been recorded by Moorhead or Moore. Furthermore, there had been no reported storms in the area on the 12th, 13th, or 14th of December. And his investigation into these newly discovered logbooks that came years after the actual incident revealed that they are indeed fictional. They were later added to the story. However, this investigation kind of stirred people who believed that these falsified logbooks are a sign of a greater cover-up. And there was a serious ghostly mystery afoot, which only fuels the obsession with the loss of these three men. Okay, so the logbooks weren't actually... The logbooks are generally accepted as fake. Okay, well, to me, that doesn't scream ghost. That means somebody got murdered and somebody's trying to cover it up and make it look like something else. Potentially. Like, a lot of people thought that if we say these logbooks are fake, which in in all reality, they probably are because there was an actual investigation. They found the actual logbook, and there's no mention of these entries. Okay. And there's no reason why that they would be hidden that I can think of. Because if anything, they could just be like, it was a giant storm. Yeah, that's very true. Because there's really nothing supernatural about what's happening other than there might have been a larger-than-life storm. But I don't think that's the case. So I have three more theories, including one that is widely accepted as what most likely happened. Which, remember, we'll never know because it was just the three men on the island and all three of them vanished. So the first of these last theories lays the blame on MacArthur. He was, by all accounts, an ill-tempered man who was quick to settle an argument with his fists. It has been speculated that he could have started a fight on the western landing, which led to all three men falling to their deaths from the cliffs. And honestly, I would hope to never know anyone or be the person myself to have such a bad temper that I could not control myself until a better time and place. No. Get get some therapy. Work yeah. that shit out. You don't need to be fighting people. Exactly. You can't say it with your words. You don't need to be saying it with your fists. No. That would just be insane that you can't control your temper when you are clearly on a very precarious place that any moment, you know, the wrong step can make you die. Just no. Yeah, no thank you. No thank you. So that's that theory. The next one again blames MacArthur, but it's a bit more sinister. This theory states that one of the men, most likely MacArthur, however, it could have just as easily been Ducat or Marshall because sometimes it is who we least expect and they always say you have to worry about this quiet ones. That is true. But one of the men murdered the other two, ditched their bodies in the sea, and then threw himself off the cliffs. What do you think about that theory? I, th- I think it's... I, I don't think anything supernatural. I think if anything, mm-hmm. it's something like that. Mm-hmm. But... Why would you throw yourself off the cliff if you... Or it could have just been one of those things where he did it in, like, a fit of rage, which is not justifying it, but Mm -hmm. he did it in a fit of rage, and then he came to, and he's like, oh, God, what did I do? Yeah. And then decided to jump. Mm Mm-hmm. There is no evidence that either a fight or murder took place. It is just a theory. Though we do have to remember that they were confined in quarters, And if one or more of them kind of weren't getting along, it'd be real easily to snap at the others or it'd be all it'd be easy for any of them to snap at each other and all hell could easily break loose. Well, and also if the fight occurred outdoor occurred, (laughs) if the fight happened outdoors, Uh there probably wouldn't be a lot of evidence because there was a storm that came through and 
it happened outside. Even when stuff happens outside and there's not a storm, it's difficult or it's easy to lose evidence to the elements. Yeah, absolutely. And especially like one thing we that people often point to this theory being correct is that MacArthur had a history of violence. Okay, so that I think that's a very plausible theory. Mm-hmm. But since no bodies have ever been found, this theory remains just that, a theory. Finally, the last theory states that all three men were swept away from the West Landing while trying to secure supplies. It starts with Marshall and Ducat being swept away while trying to secure the supplies and equipment of the West Landing. When his colleagues failed to return, MacArthur headed out to find them, and he too perished in the storm. While there were no storms the size of what was kind of stated in the fake logbook, we do know that there was rough weather that prevented the investigation from happening right away, and the sea in general has just kind of always been turbulent there because they had issues getting supplies to the island in the first place. If you're asking yourself why would they take such a risk to just secure the equipment, we do have an explanation for that. We do know that Marshall had previously been fined five shillings for losing his equipment in a previous gale. And since he had a family and was a family man, losing five shillings in 1900 was no joke. No, that's a lot of money back then. So it's suspected that securing the equipment was more important to him than his personal safety, which honestly is so super sad when you think about it. But also when you think about it, that's still the world we live in. Mm -hmm. Like money is that important. You have to have it to live. Yeah. And he knew if he wouldn't get it, he couldn't live. And even when he tried, he made it, he didn't. Well, and it wasn't, he just wasn't worried about taking care of himself. He was taking care of his family. Exactly. We will probably never know what exactly happened to them. We can speculate until the end of time, and we most likely will. And there are very few other loose speculations out there. The one I kept running into that really has no evidence and no explanation for whatever reason is that there's a theory that they were abducted by aliens, but each one of them was abducted by a different saucer. How would I know that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't believe that one either. Like, I, I definitely believe in aliens, but I don't believe that happened. I don't think that's what happened. No. But life continued after the disappearances on the islands, and more lighthouse keepers tended to the island. In 1912... The Ballad of the Flannan Isles was written by Wilford Wilson Gibson, and it indicated that the keepers had been suddenly disturbed. And his ballad, which is essentially like a little poem, goes, Yet as we crowded through the door, we only saw a table spread for dinner, meat, and cheese, and bread. But all untouched, and no one there, as though when they sat down to eat, ere they could tave and taste. Alarm had come, and they in haste had risen and left the bread and meat, for at the table had a chair, lay tumbled on the floor. So a lot of this ballad is actually in error because we know this because Moore, who went up to first investigate the island and discovered the three lighthouse keepers missing, wrote a firsthand account that he stated the kitchen utensils were all very clean, which is a sign that they must that it must be after dinner sometime when they left. And we also know that, that one, he went up there alone. And that first statement of we crowded through the door is inaccurate. Yeah. There was only one person. There wasn't no damn crowd. (laughs) No. In 1925, the lighthouse became one of the first Scottish lights to receive communication from the shore by wireless telegraphy. This was clearly needed on the island. On September 28, 1971, the lighthouse was automated. 
A reinforced concrete helipad was constructed at the same time to enable maintenance to visit in heavy weather. It is now monitored from the most northern point of Lewis on the Outer Hebrides, so it's no longer manned. It took a long time for like adjustments to be made, even when they were available. Mm-hmm, yeah. In 1979, Peter Maxwell Davies' modern chamber opera, The Lighthouse, was inspired by these events. Into the, in 2018, the film The Vanishing is also based on the Flynn and Isle disappearances. But the 2019 film directed by Robert Eggers, which had Robert Patterson in it, was not inspired by this tragedy because it was actually inspired by the Smalls Lighthouse tragedy of 1801. And that's it. That's the story of the Flannan Lighthouse. What do you think about it? I think that, I think that they either got swept out to sea or mm-hmm. they, there was like an altercation and something terrible happened to them. Yes, I have some pictures for you. Really only one. Another one I kind of clipped because I figure I can share it to the Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I have a picture of the actual lighthouse keepers. And here they are. They do not look like anything like I imagined. Oh, God, look at the mustache on those men. I know. <laughs> How did you breathe? Like, there's so much hair up your nose. They have... Giant mustaches listeners to the point where they almost look comical. Like today, if someone wore a mustache that big, you would think it is not real. You can't even see MacArthur's lips. No. I mean, I'm sure that that was like, I mean, that was like a thing at the time to have Mm -hmm. a mustache that big. Jeez, that's sad. Like sad. Like this was taken a week before. Like it's always sad to see photos of them like, okay, we're getting ready to go Mm -hmm. to work. And then they don't know, like, what's about to happen. Exactly. Which is really, really upsetting because this is just them in their daily life, you know. Mm-hmm. They got dressed. He's got his pocket watch on. They they look like they're dressed very nicely and they're ready to go to work. And uh, that is really sad. That's a sad photo. It is. It is. And we will share that one as well, listeners. Um, unfortunately, it is, like, Sam has seen it in black and white. And it is actually a black and white photo. Womp, womp. But it's, yeah, it's really sad to look at. And particularly, you know, none of them look really old, in my opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. one of them looks a little older than the others. But the middle one, who I think is, um, yeah, I think that's MacArthur, looks fairly young, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And, and he's the one with the temper, apparently. Well, I mean, I guess that's usually how it goes. You <laughs> don't really. True. Yeah. True. So that's that's the Flynn and Isle Lighthouse Mystery. I would like to think something supernatural happened, but I just cannot ignore the evidence of that um, Western landing where most likely they were trying to secure supplies and unfortunately probably swept away by the sea. Yeah, I don't think it was supernatural. I think it's something mm-hmm. that is really tragic. Yeah, and that's that's the story this week, everyone. <laughs> that I mean, that's the stuff of my nightmares. Yeah. Being swept out to sea. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yes. And I actually really want to watch that movie, The Vanishing. And I really want to see the Robert Patterson Lighthouse one, too. And I, I just haven't because there's so much media to consume these days. Yeah. Well, you will be alone on that journey. Yes. So I'll watch it after you go to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're usually alone on every journey when you watch a movie without me because I'm in bed at 8 o'clock. But do you want to tell them where they can find us online? Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at Monsters and Murder Pod. And you can reach out to us at Monsters and Murder Pod at Gmail. Yay. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this story this week. We'll be back next week with another one. And let us know what you think. What do you think happened to them? Yes, we would love to hear what you guys think, which theories you subscribe to. Yeah. If you subscribe to The Big Bird, I'm probably going to outright tell you that it did not happen. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know everything. This is true. This is true. So I guess until next time, everyone, stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye.